We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to this edition of the People I Sort of Know podcast. I'm Chase Parm. This week we're going to talk to Leslie Walkington. She's the owner of Velvet Ditch Coffee Roasters here in Oxford, Mississippi. Leslie, for uh, almost a year now, not quite. She's been running Velvet Ditch. It is a uh, specialty coffee company that uh, she went to school for. She found a passion for coffee, one she's had all her life. She learned how to roast, and she's doing it here locally in Oxford. It's fantastic coffee. It's become a part of my daily routine. She's got three different um, three different coffees available right now. She's got a couple more coming here very, very soon. She had a, a special edition over Christmas. We're going to go through all that. We're going to uh, talk about how she got into coffee in the first place, what goes into uh, starting your own coffee business and um, where it goes from here. A lot of interesting stuff, a lot of interesting stuff just about coffee. So if you drink it in the morning, you will find this interesting. If it is uh, just something where you find small business interesting or her story as to uh, how you go from one thing to the next and find your passion, all those things will be included on this podcast here with Leslie today. It's uh, like I said, it's fantastic coffee. Her story is really unique and interesting as well so i hope you hang out with us for that in the meantime if you uh, if you want to pick some up you can do that her velvet ditch coffee available at velvetditchcoffee.com i know we have a lot of uh, listeners from all over the country so if you want to get it if you would like to get uh, several different bags you spend at least 45 dollars shipping is free on that and if you're here, here local there's several options it's at oxford creamery right there on the square it's at chicory market on North Lamar, Sugar Magnolia as well. And if you're out uh, in Taylor at Plain Air, it's at Offbeat and General. So those locations are available. And then, of course, online also. So uh, I, ho- I hope you like in. Leslie, really interesting person, great story. And uh, you'll learn a little bit about coffee in the process. So let's get to it now here on the People I Sort of Know podcast. Here's Velvet Ditch Coffee Roasters, Leslie Walkington. Leslie, thank you for joining me today. We're here uh, inside your roast house. I walked in and the smell permeated. It was fantastic. I need to uh, replicate that throughout my, uh, my my living room and kitchen every single day. You uh, gave me one of your new blends we'll talk about as, uh, as well. And I told you that it feels like it's chemistry as much as anything else here with this uh, this setup, with this, uh, I guess, passion that you have at this point. I- I'm going to start here very broadly. Thank you for joining me, but... Why coffee? How did we get here? Well, thank you, Chase, for inviting me. So it's exciting. Um, coffee, how did I get here? Well, that's a long road, but I'll try to put it in a nutshell. Um, I was thinking back to the first time I ever had a, 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 a latte, 
and a mocha latte. Mm -hmm. And I actually created it myself on a long drive home uh, to see my family one weekend. And so, yeah, that was like 1987. And it's... It's like I've always loved coffee. And so, obviously, like most people, I have always put cream and sugar in my coffee. And then one year, my brother came home from California, and he brought this whole new method of making coffee, and it was called a pour-over. So he made us this delicious pour-over with some beans that he brought from California from a roaster out there. And at first, I'm thinking, oh, this is way too hard. Like, I could never make a pour-over. And he gave me the whole kit for Christmas, and I'm rolling my eyes as he's making this pour over, thinking, no way, Jose, am I going to use this? So I tasted it, and all of a sudden, I was like, oh, this is special. Like, I could taste the actual notes in the coffee, and I picked up the bag and read it, and I'm like, ooh, I taste the chocolate. I taste the macadamia. You know, I taste the different flavor notes that this coffee, you know, that was listed on the bag. And it just gave me a new experience and appreciation for coffee. And then I started learning about specialty coffee and what that means. And I started sourcing, um, going to different coffee shops, trying different roasters, um, you know, different origins and blends. And so that was what started me on the path in 2019. I decided, well, I would like to learn this because I'm a lifelong learner and I always enjoy learning new things. And so I went to roasting school in California in San Rafael. And, um, and I learned to become a roaster. And it was a whole new world that just kind of opened up to me. And, you know, I met farmers at the school I went to. And I just learned from sourcing green coffee beans and how do you do that and how do you choose green coffee beans and then learned about the whole roasting process. And I was just fell in love with the whole process from, from the farm to the cup. A lot of stuff in, in that um, for the yeah. very basic yes. person who just turns on their Mr. Coffee in the morning and they know no more than picking out whatever they are used to from a from a brand um, pour over. Explain that for, for people. Right. So a pour over, um, a pour over. You have a little kettle that typically has a gooseneck, and you have. There's a lot of different ways to make a pour over, but just for myself and for you this morning, I made one cup for each of us, and so. Um, you have a filter, and so the filter is what gives you a very, very clean cup of coffee when you're making the pour-over. And the grind, um, so the flavor can be affected by, obviously, the bean and how you grind the bean. And so you normally, with a pour-over, you want kind of like that sea salt um, uh, size of the grind. And then the temperature, the water temperature, and how you pour it and how fast you pour it. Um, just affects how much extraction you're going to have with the coffee and the water. So it also has to do with, I told you, I like to do a 1 to 16 ratio. And so, you know, there's math that you have to do, and, and you have a scale involved. And um, so you normally measure, like this morning I gave you 20 grams of coffee, and then I put in 320 grams of water and did the whole process. Um, so, yeah, it just it extracts the, the flavor in the coffee and that's what introduced me to drinking coffee black because I used to do the cream and sugar mm -hmm. but now I'm like yeah forget cream and sugar I want to taste the coffee and that's what you do with the pour over it lets you taste it and it's just a cleaner um, mouth feel and there's no uh, um, little coffee grinds in the cup you'll notice that too when you pour it so yeah it's this question I ask you being a coffee novice to some extent is that's the same mechanism that would be happening in a drip pot it just allows you complete control over the process in a exactly different way. right you're controlling more like the water temperature and the grind size and the flow rate 
Whereas in your drip pot, I mean, there's cheap pots and there's more expensive ones um, that you can control that to some extent. But with the pour-over method, it's like hands-on, and it's more like your daily ritual. So my pour-over in the morning, I'm thinking about it the night before, thinking, okay, what am I going to have? And I'm prepping it, and then it really just takes about two minutes, the whole process. You know, it, it's you, you taught me a little bit even in the beginning right there because I'm not sure that I use a ton more coffee for my entire pot than you use for that one cup. Like, And, and I think we're trained to that some way. I mean, you mentioned, you know, restaurants is you know, 120th, right. these different things. I, right. It's very possible that just as society, we probably don't drink coffee strong enough related to what it's made to do, I would assume. Right. Right. And another way that a lot of people like a French press. And so, you know, the French press, you use a really coarse grind, and then you allow the water and the coffee, you stir it, and you allow that to sit for about four minutes, typically, and then you use the plunger to push all the coffee down, you know, through the water, and you're going to have a heavier mouthfeel, sometimes a grittier mouthfeel with French press, mm-hmm. and it definitely stains the teeth, which is why I do not drink many French press. Um, but yeah, but it's delicious, and it's a different mouthfeel, and it's a different body, it's heavier, and you also taste more oils. So in the pour-over I made for you this morning, you know, you don't taste the oils because that paper filter is filtering out the oils too, and that's a big difference between the French press and the pour-over. And then also the drip, you're going to have a little bit of oil in the cup, but not as much as a French press. What do you learn at roasting school? What does mm, that consist oh, of? Man. I learned so much. Okay. Um, I learned about how hard it is to farm the plant. Okay. So, so the plant is like a little tree, and it can get to 15 feet high, but that's not efficient when it comes to picking the fruit off of the tree. And so they only grow from the seed. It takes about three years to grow that tree to about five feet tall is where they keep okay. it. So then it's easy for anyone to come along and pick the fruit. And it gets about three to five feet wide. And so you have one growing season for the plant, and you go through that plant, they go through it multiple times picking the cherries when they're this perfect shade of red because if you pick a cherry that's too ripe, then that's not good. If you pick a cherry that's not ripe enough, then you know after I roast it, I'll be pulling out those beans and those beans are like lighter in color, they're kind of tan, which I have some over on the ledge I can show you, but it's really interesting. You just learn about the, the plant, you learn about the farming, how hard it is. Um, and then with specialty coffee, which is what my focus is on, there's commodity coffee and there's specialty. So we learned about the differences. And then we learned about how to source green beans. And, um, and then we learned about the roasting process, which has to do, like we mentioned earlier, the chemical um, explanation of that. It's like, a, it's like a whole transaction going on. You've got temperature of the drum, if you're roasting in a drum. You've got the ambient temperature outside, you have airflow, and so there's a lot of different factors of how quickly you're um, taking that green coffee bean and you're drying it out, because I showed you the green coffee bean, it's a little green bean, and it's almost like somewhere between 10 and 15% moisture. So you first have to dry out the bean and then it turns yellow and you you smell. That was my favorite part about roasting because Mm -hmm. you smell, first you smell grass, like you're walking through a grassy field, and then you start smelling hey, like you're walking through the barn, you know, you're about to feed the horses. And then after it dries out, it starts to have a little yellow color, and then it starts to turn more cinnamony, and you might even smell the cinnamon smell. And then it starts to smell like toast, and that's when you're starting to caramelize the bean, and then you finally get to high enough temperatures where you hit first crack. And so a lot of roasting school, you're learning to roast, and you're learning how to 
how to do a light roast, a medium roast, and even a dark roast. So, and you're also learning about how to grind it, and you're learning how to brew it, the different methods of brewing, because all of that affects what you're going to get in the cup for the final cup. So is it, is, explain light, medium, dark, and as it goes, the longer, is that making it, quote, stronger, more complex? I mean, what... You know, I mean, and I'm gonna I'm gonna allude to this a couple different times because in in my head this is similar to bourbon in a way, is and mm-hmm. you get a lot of notes oh, yeah. and you know people think, hey, the higher proof is automatically more complex, but that's not necessarily true. Right. In different things with with coffee, when you talk about medium and dark roast, it seems like commercially that that is stronger or more full or whatever when I, when I do it. But what's sort of the the fact of that? Right, and it really goes back to the bean. It'd be like a bean by bean cases uh, case, but so it's a bean by bean situation. And when you roast a bean, and let's just say you're going to roast it light, because on my little bag, I have light, medium light, medium, medium dark, and dark. So depending on <laughs> depending on who I'm roasting, because I have some customers, they're like, Leslie, will you please do the Ethiopian a medium dark? Because oh. one time they actually got to taste that because I have a VRBO and I serve my coffee in the VRBO. And that particular week I had been roasting really dark roast, just kind of playing around with different temperatures. And so they liked the darker, um, it gives you more of a heavier you know, taste in the cup. And of course that also depends on how you're going to brew it. But, um, but going back to the light, medium, dark. So light, you actually get, most people don't know that you actually have more caffeine in the cup if you do a light roast. Oh, okay. The longer you roast the coffee bean, you are driving that caffeine out of the bean. So the darker roast, especially when you go to the higher temperatures and to second crack, what we call it in, as roasters, when you go to second crack, you have much less caffeine in the bean than, say, the light roast. So that's like a aha, like, oh, I didn't know that. You know, most people tell me that. So if you want more caffeine, drink the lighter roast or like a medium light roast because some people don't like the meat, the light roast because it'll be more tea-like. So if I, my Ethiopia, if I do a light roast, it'll have more tea-like flavor characteristics. But the darker I roast it, it gets a little bit deeper and you taste a little bit more of the berry and the cocoa coming out. And then I also explain looking at the Ethiopia and comparing that with, say, my Guatemala. The Guatemala is like chocolate brownie, which is more sweet, whereas the Ethiopia is cocoa, like baker's cocoa. So you still have that cocoa flavor profile, but it's not going to be as sweet. Um, and so, so the light, more caffeine. The light um, is just going to be a not as big bold in your face. And then as you go down the scale, the medium is going to be more of a medium, nice, you know, fuller feel. Um, and then as you dark it roast, as you roast it darker, then of course, if you go too dark, that's when you get the bitterness on the back okay. of your tongue. And pretty much, you can let me taste a cup of coffee and I can tell you exactly what temperature they dropped it <laughs> and if they went to second crack or not. So, so the longer, if it's a dark roast or even a medium dark roast, it kind of depends on the roaster. We all have a, a different uh, style of roasting and that's you know from one roaster to the next. Everyone has their own idea of what is medium light and what is medium dark. It's literally, there is no, um, there's no gauge that tells you this is medium dark. It's kind of up to the roaster what they perceive oh, okay. to be medium dark for their own offerings that they put out there. Because there is a color chart, you know, you can compare to. But everybody has their own style. So you mentioned it here, Guatemala and Ethiopian. Where, how did you decide where to 
to, to get your beans from? What, what does that look like when sure. you're trying to, to figure out that process? And then what were you looking for for those things? Mm-hmm. Well, I think traditionally for me, every time I go to a coffee shop, I'll try different beans. I mean, I'll try different beans that they have, single origins. So I'll talk about there's single origin coffee and then there's blends. And so single origin is that cup of coffee you're drinking, it comes from one region in Guatemala or one region in Ethiopia. Whereas a blend might be um, three different origins. It could be a Brazil mixed with a Guatemalan and a Costa Rican. It could be two or three different you know, countries and they're, they're blending. So the blend, and right now I don't have a blend. Um, so right now I'm doing all single origins. Um, what was your question? The original question. How did you decide where to get beans from? Like Ethiopian, Guatemala, oh, yeah, what, yeah. Is that, what does oh, that yeah. look like? Yeah, so I think initially when I went to roasting school, of course they're introducing us, here is where you can source green coffee beans, and here are people that you know pay the farmers well, and here are the people that offer more in the country of origin, not just here's you know a check to get the beans, but they're also offering programs for the farmers to stay educated and helping them to use the most innovative methods of farming. Um, So, for example, since I love Guatemala beans so much, that's why I have two right now, um, because they're two different regions and they have two different profiles. Um, The Wiwi Tenango is the highest region in Guatemala, and that's the gold label. Some people call it, you know, the gold label, or that's how they identify it. But that one is from Wiwi Tenango, and so it has, like, flavor notes of macadamia and some dried fruit and chocolate. And then the other region is actually from some women farmers, and they're in a program uh, that's called La Morena, and I have some information about that on my website, because I like to support the women farmers because um, traditionally women have, well, they're the 80% of the people who actually pick the cherries off the bushes, off the trees, are women. And so they are, you know, hugely in the whole industry. But a lot of women, when their parent, their father dies or their husband dies, they don't have the skills to know how to run the farm. And so the La Morena program has helped you know people get the education they need to take over the family business when the father dies or the husband dies. And maybe they've just picked all along, but now they're going to learn you know the skills that they need to to be more successful and to grow the farm. So um, so Guatemala is my favorite origin. And then Ethiopia, it's the birthplace of coffee. And so when I was thinking about my lineup, because I just did my soft launch in September 2022, right? Not very long ago. And when I did my soft launch, I was thinking, okay, well, what am I going to offer? Well, I have to offer my favorite Guatemalan. And then I offered Ethiopia because um, it's delicious. And depending on how you roast it, it can be big and bold and in your face, or it can be more tea-like. So it was two very kind of opposite ends of the spectrum that I offered and so now I have recently got a delicious Costa Rica bean in and I'm playing with that one and so I gave you one of my roast profiles this morning and that was more like a lighter roast and so I'm in the process of getting those labels printed in the next couple of weeks I hope to start promoting that bean and releasing that single origin. When you talk about the tasting notes that are those that obviously have been very consistent for those two beans and the way that, that you roast them, did you simply try these and then realize those were the notes? I mean, how did you sort of put together that those were going to be sure. the flavor profiles right. of those beans? Right. So so I first look at about 10 or 12 different coffee beans um, when I'm trying to decide, you know, which one am I going to boil it down to. Um, but I go and... Um, I 
I get these small bags. I showed you these small bags of green coffee. And so I'll roast every one of them. And then from that, I'll boil it down to, okay, these are the flavors that I think my customers would like. And these are the flavors that I like. And, you know, it has the various notes. Because I always tend to go with something that has a little chocolate. Because I'm a chocolate. Mm-hmm. So chocolate will be a flavor I sometimes want to, you know, go for. Um, and then also dried fruit's a great combination with that. And then a nut of some sort. So it kind of depends on the origin as to what flavor profiles you're going to see. But I also look specifically at beans that have been scored 80 or higher. Okay. So in coffee, you have you have commodity coffee, which are like the big brands like the Folgers and the Maxwell House and you know all the brands that we grew up with. And then you have specialty coffee. And then specialty coffee, um, most of those beans, well, they're Arabica is the bean, but Really, it's only specialty coffee as if you're graded 80 points or higher, like wine. You know, the Wine sure. Spectator magazine. Sure. They say wines 80 and above are like their premier wines. And so it's similar in coffee where anything above 80 is considered a specialty coffee because that means it's been grown at a higher altitude. Um, that means that there's been a lot of care and attention from the farmer. And so it has less defects. And then less defects in the coffee bean means, you know, better taste in the cup. And then the, the beautiful thing about the whole specialty coffee industry is that from the farm until the time I get the bean, there's been this high level of um, focus on having a really valuable bean and making sure that all along the process, you know, they cup it at the farm and they taste it and they, they do a whole write-up on each particular coffee bean and they say, okay, what are the flavor notes, um, what's the acidity level, What's the balance? How does it taste on the tongue? What's the aftertaste? Um, that what's the mouth feel? So they're looking at all these characteristics and they give it a rating. And then from that rating, I have a couple of different you know importers that I work with. I look at the ratings that they have their people go and cup it at the farm. And then I look at the rating, and as long as it's 84 points or above, that's what I look at. Um, I don't even deal with beans that are 80 to 84. That's just another level of, you know, um, I think I think it's that way. It just kind of like it gets rid of X number of beans. I don't even have to consider those beans because there's a lot. There's a lot out there to look at and consider. So I will get about 8 or 10. I have about 12 bags over here right now that I'm about to sample roast and just see how do I like the flavors because I chose them because they look very good the the flavor profiles and then they're different like one might be more chocolate and one might be more dried fruit and figs and nutty so depending on the origin and so then I just try to you know have a a nice offering but I'll go through about 10 or 12 green beans before I pick one um, to bring to Velvet Ditch Coffee. You obviously are focused on the, the, the purity, tasting it as is, and, 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 and it's, it's natural state from a black coffee standpoint. Do you care at all what it tastes like with sugar or cream or different things? Does that matter in, in the slightest? Because obviously, I, I do think that the number of people who drink coffee black is probably increasing. But at the mm-hmm. same time, I mean, do, do, does that even factor in on the other types of, of, of varieties? Um, it does because there will be, okay, now I have to be honest, there will sure. be some times when I'm like, ooh, I just want a little, little touch of sugar okay. in my coffee or just a little touch of cream. Or, okay, so I do these coffee pop-ups, and when I do my coffee pop-ups, I make homemade half and half, and so people go crazy about that, and it really is better than the half and half you buy in the store okay. um, because it's heavy whipping cream and full, full milk, you know, vitamin D milk. And so anyway... 
Um, so sometimes when I have that leftover from a pop-up, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm putting this in my coffee tomorrow morning because okay. it's more like a dessert for me. Um, but normally I do drink it black. But, but yeah, it's like when I'm thinking, oh, I just want a little dessert. I want a little extra, you know, something, something. I'll add the cream and sugar. Um, but I also have these specialty syrups too that I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll take to the pop-ups because people love them and you got to make people happy. Um, and then I'll taste it myself just to see how does it affect the flavor. Because so many things affect the flavor of your coffee. It's the freshness of the crop. Literally yesterday I just got in five new bags. Um, and so it's the freshness of the cop, crop. It's the packaging. It's the roast method we talked about and the grind size, how you brew it. How you store it, never, never, never put it in the freezer. Don't even put it in the refrigerator. Um, and then also the water quality. That's something that we don't talk about enough. You can do filtered water in your refrigerator in one of those little... The Brita's or something? Thank you, yeah. the Brita. And as long as it's filtered, it makes your coffee taste better too. So, um, yeah, that's a lot of different ways you can affect the flavor, but... I do sometimes use cream and sugar, and I like to know what my coffee tastes like because I know some of my followers and customers, they want to put the cream and sugar. But a lot of them, the very first thing I always say is, when you first taste Velvet Ditch Coffee, please taste it black. And I tell people, I explain that, you know, when you first brew it, no matter how you're brewing it, it's super hot. So you can't really taste, your, your taste buds can't taste hot, hot coffee. And I love hot coffee, but I still can't taste it until it cools down a little bit. And so once it gets cooler, then your taste buds can liven up and they can start tasting the flavors. And then once it gets to be room temperature, that's when you can taste the entire bouquet of what's in the cup. And that's what I always encourage people. The first time you've had that you're having velvet dish coffee, just like drink drink the cup until room temperature and enjoy all the different notes along the way because it'll be a new experience. And then maybe that second cup, you can put your cream and sugar if you still want to. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was the, the main thing when I was doing any prep for this interview. Is the, on the, I guess the last thing on the, on the bourbon comparison is yeah, yeah. that's the way it, I thought about it. Because right. bourbon comes out completely differently if you add a little water. Or the totally. ice, because it allows it to dilute down versus oh, yes. knead or whatever you would do. Yes. But that's completely different than having a Jack and Coke where you're just oh, yeah. completely destroying the bourbon. And you're just worried about either the effect or the cocktail right. sugary flavor that it coming that so i would assume that even when you're putting in cream or sugar or something there is still a balance to doing that probably right. correctly if you right know. well if you over sugar the coffee yeah. then uh, it's going to be too sweet and then you can't taste any of the notes and if you over cream it then just forget having coffee in it just go drink your milk you know but going back to bourbons i'm a bourbon drinker too but i remember in college everybody all oh, bourbon and jack daniels yeah. and so i remember having that and then as I got older and I started being exposed to higher quality bourbons, I would be like, ooh, wait, I taste the caramel yeah, in exactly. that. Ooh, yeah, I'm not going to put Coke yeah. in this, you know. And then learning to taste it neat and learning to have it on ice, you know, depending on the proof, right? Because I normally don't like anything over 100 proof. Um, but Because I like to do the neat and I like to have it on ice. And I still like old fashions too. Okay. But anyway, so, so it's totally very similar to that. So when I first started drinking specialty coffee... Like, my, my brother gave us that pour-over one Christmas. And then after that, I'm like, well, I felt bad to put cream and sugar in the cup. And so I slowly had to kind of wean myself off the cream and sugar because I wanted to taste that coffee. And I wanted to have this new experience. And also, that sugar, you know how it leaves that 
that taste on your tongue. Whereas the coffee, when you have a specialty coffee, when you have velvet dish coffee, you're not going to have a lingering nasty taste on your tongue. It will not be bitter, and that's the beauty of it. That's what's so special, I think, about velvet dish coffee is that the specialty coffee beans, I roast them in such a way, um, I will tell you, I do not go to second crack, but I do have my own roasting method. Um, I definitely go to first crack, but I have my own roasting method where I'm looking at pulling out those distinct flavors in the cup where it's not too light and it's not too dark and it's like the perfect balance so you can really enjoy the bouquet because the farmers work so hard on the plants, you know, bringing them to, to season and bringing them and harvesting those plants that I want to just kind of like honor what they've already done and just highlight that in the cup. So We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, you, you, you talk about that, and you had mentioned to me earlier today about that there's a certain freshness to a bean when the right time to, it probably is its, its optimal freshness. Um, what is that? How should people buy and then time that correctly? And then in comparison, if you just go to the store and buy some generic brand coffee, what is that freshness possibly sure. at that point? Sure. So on my coffee, you'll see roasted. I always put the roast date when it was actually roasted. So, and most of the times I don't even take the coffee and deliver it to Chicory Market. Um, here in Oxford, Chicory Market carries my coffee. And so most of the time when they place an order, I'll roast it and then I'll let it sit here in the roast house for two days and then I'll go deliver it because I don't want somebody to roast the bean until it's had time to rest and all that carbon dioxide um, has been released from the bean. And so I put the roast date on the bag of coffee. And when you go and you're looking in the store, um, any of these like boutique type stores that carry specialty coffee, you'll see a roast date on the, on the bag. But if you go to the grocery store, you're going to see another date. It's going to say best buy, you know, best buy or best before a particular date. And usually that's about three months out. So um, I don't have my coffee in like the Kroger right now or the big chain grocery stores. Um, and when they do work with specialty <laughs> coffee roasters, they do not like to see a roasted, you know, buy or a roasted on date because they want to put the date like three months down the road. So every coffee that's in the grocery store, um, like if you go buy the Folgers, it's probably been sitting around for three months. If you go buy most brands, unless it's a specialty brand, um, it would probably be fresher. But in the grocery store, usually they're looking at that different date. So that makes a huge difference three months versus like a week ago. Um, but the other thing I have noticed, I've sat and I've, I've kept my coffee on the shelf and I'll, 
I'll taste it the day I roast it. I'll taste it the second day, the third day, and then I'll taste it a week later, two weeks later, three, four weeks later. And to me, my favorite is about two weeks to three weeks out. But then surprisingly, I gave a friend of um, a friend up in Nashville, I gave her coffee one time, and I think it was too light roasted for her, but she kept it in her cupboard. And so last time I was up there, I literally gave it to her eight months ago. And I went to see her recently, and she was sleeping late, so I went to make my coffee. And I saw that bag of coffee I'd given her eight months ago. And I'm like, I can't believe she hasn't drank my coffee yet. So I said, well, fine, I'm going to taste it. Because I'm like, well, I need to know if it's still good. Was it taste like it eight months? Because I've never kept it that long because I'm always drinking it. It was delicious. It was amazing. And I was like, oh, my gosh. you know, this She did you a favor, actually. She did me a great yeah, favor because I would have been stuck with drinking that other brand that was in her, you know, kitchen which I will not name but uh anyway so, so yeah it was it was great and I think that's because that's because of the storage method you know she had it in a, a dark place a cool dark place she did not put it in the freezer because I told her from the get-go never put it in the refrigerator or the freezer so she did have it stored properly in the bag and sealed you know like sealed well yeah it was sealed well She'd opened it and had a few, you know, cups out of it, but uh, it was delicious, yeah, at eight months. But typically, you know, anything you read, any, anybody's going to tell you, normally like two to three weeks is kind of like the best, but also depending on how you brew it, um, you know, if you just, depending on how you brew it, that could also affect the flavor and, and how you might like it. So that's also a nice experiment that you can do is grab a bag of Velvet Ditch Coffee and look at your roast date and say, okay, if, if she roasted it like three days ago, and if you can get one of those bags, or if I roasted it a week ago, and then just keep it on your shelf and try it a week, two weeks down the road, or, you know, seven days, whatever. Pick pick it and plot it on your calendar and, and see, and then tell me what you think. Because, um, yeah, everybody has a different palate, and everybody tastes coffee differently, and that's why when I do a cupping, so maybe next time we get together, I want to do a cupping for you, because I have a whole sheet on... Um, you first smell it, you do like rounds and rounds, and you go through the cupping of different, I'll cup like three different coffees for you, and you'll smell it, and then um, you'll taste it, and you'll you'll look at the acidity, the mouthfeel, the body, um, the aftertaste, you look at all these different factors, and so that's another fun thing that you can do with coffee. You know, <clears throat> for the person out there that has the way they buy bean and not necessarily your product just in general is there a positive to both sides of buying ground coffee versus whole bean and you do it yourself and grind it or whatnot or is it simply you know efficiency and in in whatever versus putting a little more effort into it right well not everybody has a grinder right so um but there are some inexpensive under $50 grinders for sure. I would for sure say if you're ever going to buy a, a grinder, get a burr, B-U-R-R. It's a particular blade because okay. it actually um, slices the bean as opposed to just punching it down. Anyway, um, but yes, yeah, so obviously it's going to be fresher if you buy the whole bean coffee and it's not going to be as fresh if you buy the coffee that's already ground in a bag. Um, but again, if the roast date was recent... Like for me, you know, I do put bags on the shelf that are whole bean and ground coffee because some of the stores where my coffee is sold, they'll have a grinder so they can grind, like a chicory market, they can grind the coffee all day long. So she always orders whole bean coffee for Mm me. Um, Whereas at Sugar Magnolia, where they sell my coffee, I have a display there right when you walk in the door. I'll put whole bean and I'll put ground coffee because not everybody has a grinder. And I'm trying to make it convenient for people that just... 
need to grab and go and they don't have a grinder um, or maybe they just don't worry about that because I didn't worry about that when I was in my 20s I never thought about buying whole beans you know I was buying hazelnut flavored coffee <laughs> you know I was getting pecan praline right. so um, everybody has a different you know time if you have time to do it and you you know want to spend the money on a grinder then the whole bean is always the freshest Going back to something you mentioned a second ago is let the coffee cool off a little if you're trying to really taste it, you're trying to get notes. Beyond that, is there any specific way to keep it in your mouth or do different things to enhance the notes and try to figure out what it is that, that is in there? It is called slurping. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> so when I, when I went to school for this um, and when we had to do the cuppings and you have to taste and this coffee is super hot and you're tasting it at different temperatures... Um, and there's a spoon. You see the spoons on the shelf. It looks like a big soup spoon, and it's flat. And so you, you fill up the spoon, and you kind of slurp it, and you aerate the coffee across your tongue. And you can do that at home with any spoon you have. So when it's, when it's hot, you can use the spoon, and you kind of slurp it in and aerate it across your tongue. And then that allows all the taste buds on your tongue to just, you know, experience the coffee. And then again, when it's hot... And then it keeps cooling down, you know, every 10 degrees. Keep tasting it and keep tasting it. And make a note, what do you taste? When it's hottest, what do you taste? And then when it's maybe 20 degrees cooler, what do you taste? When it's room temperature, what do you taste? And make notes because you're going to, the coffee kind of like opens up and then your taste buds are more sensitive as it cools off. So you can, you'll, it'll be interesting to see what your notes are about how it tastes to you. But yeah, you can use a spoon and that aerates it across your tongue and you literally kind of... Slurp it in like that, uh-huh. <laughs> and uh, and so that's a that's an easy way that anybody can experience coffee that way. Yeah, I've done some wine tastings. It's not I much know. different. Yeah, you're yes, you're getting air and moving yeah. around, and, and then just kind of you're picking out all the different notes, yeah. different taste buds on exactly. your tongue, and different yeah. things. It's yeah, like it's bourbon a, tasting, wine tasting, you can do the same thing with coffee. Yeah, it's a very similar thing. So I, I could talk about the chemistry all day, but obviously you're not just roasting. You're trying to build a business out of this. You've got a PR marketing background, new things along those ways. What is is that journey been like? Just simply getting the product out there and, and figuring out ways to, to, to max, maximize the business side of things. Yeah. Um, when I first I did a soft launch in September, and of course, if I was doing PR for a client, I would have had this whole you know this is what you need to do to launch your company. Well, for myself, I did not like do the whole A, B, C, and D. I just kind of did a soft launch. Um, it was football season and. And things were crazy busy. And I was like, well, let me just have the goal of getting into stores. And so I did. Um, and so I got in Oxford Creamery. And I got in Chicory Market. And then I think by I think by December, I was already in four stores. And so I was like, okay, goal, you know, check that box. And I exceeded my goal. And then just building the website and trying to build an online presence and trying to build the Instagram followers and just trying to educate people about here's what's unique and special about Velvet Ditch Coffee um, and just getting the word out and doing some pop-ups and so that was kind of how I've slowly entered the scene it hasn't been with a a big bang but um but yeah it's just there's there's so much to launching a company by yourself and so I'm kind of like the one-woman show and I do have a team but um, I do most everything right now so um, because I do continue my mentor, you know, I still work with Marcus Young, and uh, he's with Cropster, and now he's with Cropster, but he was my mentor that taught me all about roasting. He's one of the top coffee professionals. He's amazing. So I still have, like, meetings with him once a month, 
and I'm always trying to perfect my craft. And I will roast a new bean, and then I'll send it to Marcus, and I'll say, hey, you know, you roast it, and tell me what you get out of this bean, and what you think. And sometimes we agree, and sometimes we disagree, and sometimes I'm like, well, I like my roast better, so that's what I'm going to put out there. So um, I'm continuing to just educate myself and continuing to hone my craft. And um, again, just trying to get the word out there. So thank you for, for this opportunity to just talk with more people. You, you, you have the two Guatemalan blends. You This morning we tried the, the Costa Rican blend. You got Ethiopian. Back during the holidays you had a, you had a loyal buck, a bourbon. Oh, that's uh, right. Yeah, You had a bourbon, I guess... I don't know, flavor is not the right word, but the beans soaked in a barrel, correct? Is that, is exactly. That so last summer, um, I went up to Louisville, Kentucky, and I took my truck, and I picked up a Blanton's bourbon barrel right after they had emptied it, and the mash had been in there for 10 years, so that was super cool, and I brought it back, and so what I did is I took the green, I took some of my finest Guatemalan green coffee beans, and I, well, I had to make a hole in the barrel. That was a whole other deal. But um, put the beans in there and just roll it around um, for a few weeks. And I uh, won't tell you my exact number of days, but I found like my sweet spot. And then I came out with a bold bucket Christmas because I just wanted to offer something special that you've got family coming to town. You all want to just sit after dinner and maybe have a cup of coffee, but maybe have something super special. Yeah. And if you're a bourbon drinker or if you just like the smell, um, that was just like a wonderful offering. So the Blanton's Bourbon Barrel was very good. And actually, it's been so successful that right now I have beans seasoning again. And they're going to be ready on June 6th. Okay. <laughs> I'll be pulling them out. Because I, people are like, can I please have more? Yeah. One woman uh, from North Carolina, she's like, I would like to get two pounds of the Bold Buck. And I'm like, uh, I don't sorry, have that was a limited edition. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So I'm like, okay, fine. I'll put like 20 more pounds in. See how that goes. Do you anticipate it tasting similar this next time? It should. Okay. It should. Because um, the barrel was just from August. And that was one question that I was asking. And I've asked a lot of people in my profession, like, how long does the barrel last? And they're like, nobody knows. It all depends on, you know, your ambient temperatures sure. and where, where you live. And being in Mississippi, of course, I've got it in a temperature-controlled um, environment. And this, all these beans are temperature-controlled here in my roast house. So, um so yeah, we'll see. I'll find out on June 6th because I'll be roasting it up and tasting it. For a, a company that's just starting out like this is, what is the balance between offering a lot of products versus having your real base level? Because I would assume there is expense that goes exponential when, right. on launching new products. Well, how, how do you sort of hit a sweet spot there? Right. And, and that was one of the big questions I had to ask myself. I'm like, how many different beans am I going to offer? Because there's so many beans out there. And I decided, you know, three would be good because if you don't like one, then you've got two more options. Or if you get tired of drinking one, you've got two more. But also it was just a number that I could manage. It was, you know, and again, before I picked the Guatemalan and the Ethiopian, I went through probably 25 different beans to, to pick those particular ones. And then because I've had such great success and um, my coffee drinkers love those, I just, I have not changed them. I'm like, okay, I could at any time change it. But I'm like, okay, let me go back and get five more bags of the Ethiopia because it's been that successful. People love it. Um, I have loyal followers that drink it and want it, and so I want to keep that one going as long as I can. Now, the thing is, is coffee is a commodity. It's, it's, um, you know, it's harvested once a year, so only once a year will that particular farm be able to give me that bean. Well, next year, depending on 
their climate, depending on how much rain they get and how much sun they get, um, will affect the flavor of the next crop. So from crop to crop, I can't always promise that that particular Ethiopia from Guji is going to taste the same, even though it's from the same farm, but that's kind of like the gamble. But it also makes it more unique. It's like bourbon. Um, there's a, you know, the, the barrel selections that you get mm-hmm. down here um, where it's like, okay, you can't get this. You better buy it while you can. I mean, coffee is very similar to that where there's a, a limited supply because it comes from one harvest season. And if you want more, when it's all gone, you're going to have to wait till the next harvest season. So you can try to find something similar in flavor, but to, to be perfectly the same, it will never be the same from the last crop. Where right now is, is your coffee available? Oh, I am at Chicory Market. Um, they stock the whole bean. She doesn't do ground. And uh, Chicory Market, Oxford Creamery, and Sugar Magnolia on University. And also um, Offbeat in General, which is the new grocery store in Plein Air down in Taylor. Okay. They also stock my coffee. And, of course, I sell it online on the website, com. You know, one of the things about it is what I have found, and I think you had asked me what my favorite was earlier, is the Ethiopian, if I'm just drinking it black, but I found where I like the Guatemala more if I put something in it. Like yeah. So, actually, there's like a different... You can even travel multiples going, hey, you might be in the mood for this or this way or different things. There's something, and I don't know enough about coffee notes, so I can't tell you even what it is. You guess you can tell me, but there's something that seems to bring out the sweetness of the Guatemalan more with a cream or a sugar or something versus maybe not with the Ethiopian. Right, and the Guatemalan has more sweetness because it has that brownie profile, Um, whereas the the Ethiopia is, is grown in a drier climate, so it has that cocoa, it has that... Um, blackberry, the dried fruit, the honey, you know, notes in it. Um, so, yeah, it definitely makes a, a distinct difference there. How long was the school? Um, that was a week and a half. Okay. Pretty intense? It was very intense, yeah. Did, <laughs> yeah. did you need knowledge going in? I mean, what do you sort um, of... They gave us, you know, things to read going into it. But it was like a big, huge overview. And then I continued to go and do training. That's why I continue, you know, monthly meeting with Marcus. And he always, you know, has me reading. And actually this summer I'm going to go back and do some more training um, at the same boot coffee where I went before. So I'm continuing to, to learn because there's so much, you know, there are always evolving methods of um, growing the plant. And there's different processes of how they dry out the coffee, fruit, um, so there's just always something new to learn, like any industry, basically. How many iterations of the logo did you go through before you settled oh on one? Oh, my goodness. Um, well, I knew I wanted it to be round. Okay. And the font was a font that we manipulated because I wanted it to kind of like be that splashing, like it was like the coffee coming up out of your cup on the H and the T and the V. And then I thickened the lines and you know, tweaked all that because my background, <laughs> I have a little bit of graphic design, but... Uh, but not much, but, but I'm like the writer, journalism, PR, marketing is my background. So so we tweaked it, and then, um, yeah, I wanted it to be red, but there are so many different shades of red. So that was sure. the hardest part, nailing down the right color. So so the uh, Costa Rican blend, will that be available to, to people? The Costa Rican, I think this is, let's see, we're getting to June. I think mid to late June, that one will hit the shelves. Um, my printers are getting the labels today so <laughs> to print the labels. So um, that one's coming out. And then I have a delicious Kenya that I haven't even talked about. Um, I, don't, I won't even talk about that one yet, but it's like double A. It's like the creme de la creme, you know, of coffee beans. So it's on the shelf there next to you. And um, I'll probably launch that in the fall. The other thing I want to do in the fall with football season. So last 
fall, um, I took the coffee, I took Velvet Ditch Coffee to the Grove, and we have a tent right there, the 1810 tent right there on the um, loop, and um, and I just was, we were just having it for people in our tent, but that was, I think, the Kentucky game, yeah, and Kentucky, right? Yeah, they were in our town last year. Yeah, we're, Kentucky. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So they were walking by, and they're like, may I have a cup of coffee? I'm like, of course you can. Mm-hmm. And she's like, that's okay, even though we're not, you know, from... I'm like, of course, have coffee. And it was so funny because they kept coming back for more. Can I get another cup? That's so good, you know. Um, and I had my little velvet ditch cup, so they're like, oh, what is this velvet ditch? I'm like, well, it's grown. You know, I mean, I roasted here in Oxford. You're welcome to take it home with you. So it was successful, and we were just doing that, like, just... I just brought it for my tent members, but people walking by were drinking it left and right, and I was I was out in about 45 minutes, and some of my Grove tent members were like, well, I didn't get to have any Velvet Ditch coffee, and I'm like, I'm so sorry. You know, I gave too much of it away to our guests, but that's what we do in the South. You know, we, we're uh, warm and engaging and friendly with people, even if they're not from here, and that's that's what makes Oxford so special. So a couple, a couple different blends coming out uh, here soon, obviously. Uh, Three available right now, and you're getting back into the bourbon business. See how those come out of the the, right. the barrel as well. So, uh, great coffee, great cups here. I uh, I really appreciate it today. Thank you, thank you, Chase, for inviting me on the show. It's great, great to talk to you. Hope you enjoyed Leslie's story. I appreciate you hanging in for that and for her time as well. I told you in the beginning, but I'll go over everything again once more here before it lets you go for the day. If you'd like to pick up some of her coffee, that's VelvetDitchCoffee.com. It's available in three locations in Oxford. It's at the Oxford Creamery on the Square, Chicory Market, Sugar Magnolia, and then also if you're in Taylor, it's at uh, Offbeat and General. They're in plain air. But again, uh, more coffee coming, several different blends. Like I said, I, uh, I, I drink it almost every single day. I've discovered it, and it has become part of my uh, my routine. So uh, really excited. really appreciate Leslie, her time, and her story on this week's show. So that does it for today. Y'all take care. Stay safe, and we'll talk to you again very soon. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua, and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter, and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film, and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.